Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Let's get into the Word of God. I know you have your Bibles. Go ahead and turn me to the book of Luke, chapter 5 and verse 20. The book of Luke, chapter 5 and verse 20. If you would notice in Luke, chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible reads as follows. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiving you. I want you to notice in the first part of that particular uh, scripture that Luke is making an observation that I believe the Holy Spirit gave to him to him to share with the readers of this gospel. And the first part of that text very simply says, when he saw their faith, to me, which is a powerful point in scripture, when he saw their faith. Based on that, I want to talk to you. This will be part one, but I believe it will be two parts in this or for me to give it to you properly. Faith walkers have faith that can be Sing. Notice this. Faith walkers have faith that can be seen. <clears throat> One aspect of this year's theme is for us individually as well as corporately to examine ourselves to see if we are walking by faith as Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seven expresses to us. In fact, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. And the Bible reads as follows, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, for we walk or we govern our lives by faith. We live our lives by faith. We conduct our lives by faith. We are directed by faith. We are, excuse me, guided by faith and not by sight or senses. And we walk or govern our life by faith. We act on the written and revealed word of God. When we say we govern our life by faith, we're saying we trust in what, in God's written and revealed word. We're convicted that what God says is true. We're convinced about that. You can't tell us nothing different that what God says is not going to come to pass. We have belief that what God says will happen in our lives. We believe that. We believe that what God says is going to happen. It wasn't just written in the Old Testament, but is written for our learning. So in turn, we can be all that God has called for us to be. But sometimes what is revealed to us is a process, is a series of actions or steps in order to achieve a desired outcome. It's a process before uh, a complete manifestation takes place. And it comes with obstacles. When I read in scripture, there are not many times I don't see an obstacle between what God promised and the manifestation of it. I'll be honest, I've I've looked at scripture, and let me say this to you. I don't have to look at scripture. I can look at your life and see that what God has promised you and and the manifestation of it in between it was one or two or sometimes even more than that obstacles along the way. But you persevere. And now I see that God is manifesting what he said in your life. Isn't that a blessing to know? It's not just happening for one person, but it's happening for an entire congregation of believers. In fact, last week when we talked about how that the wind and the sea obey him, we understand that when God gave the promise that they were going to cross over to the other side, in the midst of that, but when, while they were crossing over, there was a great windstorm that arose. It was an obstacle. But in the meantime, they did make it over. 
And that's good to know that when the windstorms of life and the obstacles of life arise in our life, we're going to make it over. We're going to cross over to the promise or the manifestation of the promise of God. And this in turn causes us to mature, which uh, causes us to grow up, causes us to be uh, more complete believers. And in our maturity, we may despise or even abandon the process. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to abandon because if we run across an obstacle along the way. We don't want to give up because we get involved in a difficulty while the promise of God is being manifested. We don't want to throw in the towel or or abort the process because the promise is ordained by God and we believe, we understand that it's going to come to pass. How many believe that God's promises are going to come to pass? But how many can, I mean, you know, you ain't got, you ain't got to say it real loud. You ain't ever say amen off this one. But how many can understand when I talk about that before you get to the promise, the manifestation, there going to be obstacles. I mean, I, I, I've lived long enough. I've been with God long enough. There going to be obstacles. But I realize it's worth continuing to believe to go through the obstacles to receive what God has for your life. I appreciate that. I, how many have thanked God that you went through the obstacle? Was it easy all the time? Oh, no. Mm -mm -mm. I mean, that's real. And it's not just happening to you, but you notice how many people in the sanctuary raised their hand when I gave that example. Because we understand that when you receive the promise of God, there's going to be some obstacles along the way. Oh, thank God for Jesus, though, isn't it? Now, this has nothing to do with God, but his... Uh, his ability in us to grant the promise is everything to do with us being willing and obedient during the process which is prescribed in his word. We got to be obedient. We got to be obedient. And the process tends to develop us, mature us, and cause us to grow in our faith. I was thinking about when we had the Sunday school lesson real recently, how Abraham and Isaac, how their faith grew after what they encountered or what they dealt with. And I truly believe that many of you in 2021, 2020, 2019 and so forth, your faith has grown as you went through the process. You've grown. You've grown. I mean, you've seen some stuff out there and you've dealt with it and you say, you know what? I'm still walking by faith and not by sight. I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Listen, they can raise gas prices. They can raise grocery prices. They can raise all types of prices. But I'm still living by God's word. I'm not going to let the enemy hinder me and stop me from receiving the promises of God. And see, mature faith will cause us to act on God's word in ways that may not make sense to our natural senses. In fact, many times it won't make sense to our natural senses. Mature faith will cause us not to respond by what we see outwardly, but to adjust our lives, our situations, and our relationship on based on God's written and revealed word, rather than what we see here or how we feel. Let me say that to you again before I give you a couple of examples to think about. Mature faith will cause us not to respond by what we see outwardly, but to adjust our lives. Adjust our lives, our situations, and our relationships based on God's written and revealed word rather than what we see, what we hear, or what we feel. Now, let me give you a few examples to think about. Let's say, for example, you're going to buy a new car or a new car to you. Someone may say that because of your credit score, you're not going to be able to get that car. But your faith says, God has made me a promise that this car is mine. My credit may not be the best, but my giving has been changing my living. My giving has gave me the upper edge. Because I'm a faithful tithe payer and offering giver, the car is mine. God had made a promise to me. I believe the car is mine. Now you can allow, you, excuse me, this individual who's selling you the car, they can allow God to use them to get the car. Or you can go to somebody else and they'll get the, get the blessing from you getting the car. 
and your interest rate is going to be better than what you expected. And if they don't want to act right, you just pay cash for it and be done with it. Well, y'all, some of y'all didn't get that, did you? Okay, well, keep, keep, stay with me, stay with me. Let's say, for example, you're dealing with a rocky relationship, married or single. One person may say in a relationship, I don't think that this is going to work. The other person may say, I pray, I pray for me and pray for you. What God has for me is for me. I'm trusting him with the outcome. One thing of certain, I'm going to regulate or adjust my life based on faith and not this situation. I'm determined to keep living and loving Jesus. You're not going to take me away from Jesus. But bottom line, you're not going to take me away from my Savior. I'm going to continue to keep Jesus first. And see, the more we, we deal with life through the eyes of faith, it continues to build our confidence. It builds our character. It continues to cause us to be established, stable, and consistent in our faith walk. And I thank God for consistent faith walkers. It causes us to mature to the point that our life is not all about us, but we're eager, eager to help others to bring them to the faith. And that's one thing about a mature Christian. You're not just bringing yourself to Jesus, but you're bringing others to Jesus as well. That's a sign of maturity because you're not just concerned about yours, but you also you're, you want your brother, you want your sister to be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You want the best for them in their life. You want what's best for them. And see, in my opinion, a person who walks by faith understands they are standing uh, they're standing through the good times and the not so good times by their faith and not their education, not their finances, not their job status, not their good looks, not their personal endurance. And I thought about this for a moment. Sometimes you can go through life and because of your personal endurance, you think that's what's keeping you in this life. But I realize your personal endurance is not keeping you. It's God's word that's helping you along the way. One thing I had to come to grips about, sometimes it's not me, but somebody who prayed for me until I got my act together. It was helping me to stay in this race. I appreciate intercessors, people who prayed for me along the way to help me to get to the point that I am today. Now, since I've gotten here, it's up to me. I, I can't be selfish. It's up for me to pray for others to help them get to this point as well and not to be frustrated and not to be upset because they don't come as quickly as I would like for them to. Because you know what? I didn't come as quickly as they wanted, the person wanted me to come. I was too busy trying to go in the streets and do this, that, and the other. But God gave me grace. And that grace that God gave me, we need to give to others. Now, whew, we're standing by the word of God. We're standing by his promises. And the more we know and understand this, we understand scriptures like Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. Let's go to Matthew 4 and 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible reads as follows. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's go a little closer and look at this scripture. It is written, man shall not live, he shouldn't uh have this life the way he think, talk, and act, or the way he, he is, how he, excuse me, moves forward, how active he is, based by bread alone. But by every word, every utterance, every command, every saying that proceeds or goes forth from the mouth of God. In other words, a revealing word is what we live by. I thank God that we live by a revealed word. We live by God's written word and what is revealed to us, amen, through our pastor and others who, uh, to me, who minister the word of God. 
How can I hear the word by his mouth? It is through the process. Let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's look what the word says, who God is. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning. The beginning was what? The word. And the word was with God and the word was God. So in the very beginning, before the earth was formed, was the word. So in the beginning was the word, the order of God and the sayings of God. That's how things got in order because God's word started to create things. He started to create things with his word. And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. It's the advantage of God. And the word was God. And so in the beginning was the word and the word, verse 14, took on flesh. Look at, go to John 1 and 14. John 1 and 14. And the word became flesh. And John makes it very clear. And it dwelt among us. This word that created the universe, this word that created the heavens and the earth, took on flesh and dwelt among his people. And what I love about God, he's still dwelling among his people. He is still right here on the earth dwelling among his people. I love the fact that God is in word is still dwelling among his people. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Father, full of grace and full of truth. As we continue to mature in our faith, we gain more and more insight on how important God's word is, especially when it comes to adjusting our lives to it. See, one thing I learned, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he didn't have to adjust, but everybody else around him did. And when we learn that, that God doesn't have to adjust, but we do, it makes our life seem a whole lot better. We're not fighting the adjustment. We're saying, God, what what do you want in my life? Yeah, I was okay in 2020 and 2021 like this, but in 2022, how do you want me to adjust my life? And he gives me his word and teaches me how to adjust my life. Oh, thank God he loves me enough to tell me how to adjust. Because if I don't adjust, I may miss out on better. If I don't adjust, I may miss out on better and bigger that God has for my life. And God has bigger and better for all of us, but we have to learn how to adjust based on what God has said in his word. And we says that, he says, listen, I love you enough to give you a word to adjust. And I know, you see, well, Pastor, I, well, I'm okay the way I am. I don't think so because we all have an adjusting humans. Humans have to adjust. Now, in the beginning was the word. The word don't have to adjust. But we as believers who walk by faith and not by sight have to adjust the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. It's a constant adjustment. It's a constant adjustment. And it's amazing. Many of us have no problem in adjusting to other things in life, but why is it sometimes we struggle with adjusting when it comes to the word of God? We got to make up our mind. We're going to adjust. If God says pray, we're going to pray. If God says give, we're going to give. If God says fast, we're going to fast. Because why? We're making adjustments. And every believer that I know has to make an adjustment. I don't know but one that didn't have to make an adjustment and was the one who put on flesh and dwelt among us. And when he came among us, he was teaching y'all, hey, y'all need to make adjustments. Y'all need to make, I got giving you four gospels and y'all learn how to make adjustments. And we all make an adjustment. I got to learn how to love you better. I got to learn how to uh, pray better. I got to learn how to witness better. I got to learn how to do all these things better because it's an adjustment. Everybody say an adjustment. Ooh, everybody's adjusting in this walk with God. And as you adjust, you become more mature in your faith. 
You become more mature in your faith. Let me say this to you. When you make the right type of adjustments, because you can make wrong adjustments just like you can make right adjustments. And as we continue to mature in our faith, we gain more and more insight on how important, how important God's word is, especially when it comes to adjusting our life. And, and in fact, others can see our lives resembling the word of God the more that we adjust. Others can see it. For example, let's go to Luke 6 and 38. Luke 6 and 38. The Bible reads as follows. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. will be put into your bosom. The same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, some people can see your giving, not just giving in church, but giving when you help others as well. And they see, and they say, hey, that person have adjusted. Because I, I remember time they used to be stingy and they wouldn't help anybody. Now they're looking at helping people left and right. Hey, people see the adjustment you were made. They saw you got the word, you'll start to give and help people. They see the adjustments. They see the adjustments. And thank God they do. Let's go to another scripture. First Thessalonians 5 and 17. Now let me say to you, where you getting First Thessalonians 5 and 17? When we adjust, we have to do it for the right reasons and the right motives. Because there were some people that Jesus read across. Well, let me give you an example first. I'm going then I come back to this. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 17. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse 17. The Bible reads as follows. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. See, people can see you praying and they always talk about that person is always praying. But they're praying with the right attitude. They're praying with the right mindset. They're not like the example that Jesus gave in the Gospels when he said the two men went into the temple to pray. One Everybody can hear that person praying. They were praying. Everybody can hear them. They had this mindset. Oh, bless me, God. I'm doing good. Oh, you, Lord, I give my tithes. I did this, that, and the other. And there was another man who didn't say a thing. And the Bible says basically went to the back of the temple, didn't even look up, and said, Lord, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. And God said, I heard that prayer more than I heard the one who was boasting about all the great things he done. You got to have the right attitude when you're praying. This don't be praying so people can see it, but pray with the mindset, I'm getting better and I'm helping somebody else along the way. Listen, you ain't got to be seen when you pray, but you need to be praying though. Well, Pastor, I never, I, you never see person A or person B praying. Well, sometimes you got to see some B praying sometimes. I, 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 mean, I mean, you gotta, you gotta see me praying. I mean, when I, when I go and eat my meal, you're gonna see me praying over the meal before I eat it. Now, you may go and grab your food and start eating it, but I'm praying over mine. Well, I, I prayed over before I, as I, as it was coming from the fork up to my mouth. I, I had this 30, I had, no, we need 30 seconds. I had this five second window between the fork in my mouth that I had to say, goose out. So I prayed in tongues because I knew. Now, sometimes you need to break it down to pray. Sometimes you need to break it down to pray. Now, one, we can all relate to. Saints at OCC believe in going to church despite the obstacles in life. Go to Hebrews 10 and 25. Hebrews 10 and 25. Let me say, you see, when we come to church, it ain't based on because I'm, I'm looking somewhere together. We go because of scripture, y'all. Everybody understand we come to church because of scripture. Okay, let me show you scripture. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Boy, those saints at OCC believe in going to church. Every Sunday they at church. Even when it's snow, you see them down there going there, creeping down the road. Then some people leave. They took pictures of the snow and posted. 
But you know what? We came and got the word. We got the word and we moved on. Is that right? Now, some people can make because of, of different uh, road conditions and stuff like that. But for the most part, y'all here every Sunday. Y'all don't look for excuses. Well, Pastor Dow, we're going to have church. Y'all know we're going to have church. Because God is going to make sure. And we're going to do it the right way. Is that right? And another one I thought about this too. Um, people also see our praise and our worship is, let me say this word, genuine. Genuine praisers and genuine worshipers. Because we worship him in spirit and in, there you go. We're not putting on a show we worship God. Every Sunday you see people clapping their hands. And if you, and, and then, I love about this, if you're not clapping your hands, people are going to look at you funny. If you're not giving God the glory, you're not, people are not going to be, uh, they're going to look at you differently. Why? Because we're a church that believes in praise and worship. One pick, you know, one group I look to have live praise and worship are people that minister up here on Sundays in praise and worship. Now, let me say this to everybody so everybody can be, don't look at me phone when I say it in there. But if you're not ministering here on Sunday, I expect you to be out there praising, worshiping God. Because it should be something where you just get up here the only time you're going to do it. Lord, I, I, I'm not picking on y'all, uh, but I'm just trying to everybody to understand that we, we have to be a, a church corporately that worships God in spirit and in truth. Corporately. And it can't be just one or two. It can't be just, you know, if uh, I'm going to play this on Sunday, but if I'm not playing this Sunday, I'm sitting out here looking at y'all. Now, it needs to be something that we do. This is corporate thing. If I'm playing, I'm worshiping. If I'm not playing, I'm worshiping. And the same thing needs to be with uh, everybody else in the sanctuary. Help see if, if, if sometimes sometimes you you go to the help scene and say oh, I can't I can't can't can't, can't I can't seat you right now because I'm in the presence of Jesus this is so good right now I mean I can get that because why we are a church that worships God and when the Spirit of God is moving we gotta let Him move we gotta we gotta love, let the Lord have His way when He's ministering through praise and worship. I, we need to be a church that, listen, it don't need to be that uh, only a few people are worshiping God. This needs to be a corporate reaction. A corporate reaction. That, you know, sometimes you may turn in victory. Sometimes you may leap a little bit. But you always should be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Because God's looking for a church that would do that. And I, I don't want him to go nowhere else looking for somebody else to do that. I want him to be right here in this sanctuary and say, you know what? There they are, right there. It ain't just dogs worshiping God. It is a corporate anointing that's worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A corporate anointing. A corporate anointing. So that is what we want to see happen here at this church. But notice this though. It happens because we have adjusted to what God has spoken into our lives. Some of us didn't know that we were supposed to worship God like that until we got it here in the sanctuary and learn. Many times we learn by watching the ones in front of us. Because a lot of times people don't know, but they'll know by watching them, and then as they watch them, they look beside, oh, they're clapping their hands too. They're saying hallelujah too. In other words, it keeps that corporate thing going. They learn by watching the Bible. Okay, let me give you scripture. We are living epistles, lived and read of men. People watching us. People watching us. I, I, I Listen, it ain't going to bother me you see me raising my hand. Not going to bother me one bit. Because if I, I watched ball games last night, last week, uh, if I say one game that came up just recently, we might get a mixed reaction. <laughs> but there were some folks that were hollering. 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 I've never seen some people holler like that in a long time. They were hollering, y'all. 
It, and, and they didn't care if they were this close together. They, point I'm making is we got to have a corporate anointing of worship. Corporate anointing of worship. And people need to see us worshiping God. Pastor, I can't, I can't do this, that, no, like I used to. Well, do what you can do. And most of us can, can make noise with our mouth. Make noise with your mouth. One thing I appreciate is putting the words up on the screen. Woo-wee. Cause you know I'll be like, what's the? I, I, see, many times I found out I was singing a different song than the group that, that what they had on on there, and so it helped me to know that when they put those words on there, I'm singing the same song that they singing with the same. I had the same melody. I hope I'm saying that right, but the words were a little bit different. Cause my words like it praise houses. <laughs> Y'all don't know about the words. Like, okay, okay, keep, keep going. But they need, to, but one thing, I was going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I was going to stick with that scripture right there, nothing else. We got, well, we got corporate anointing. A corporate anointing. Now, because people take notice, I should say, of our faith wall, whether we realize it or not. And as leaders and as People of God, we should be individuals who exemplify the faith walk. We have made the adjustments in our lives that when I leave here and you see me at the store, I'm not the same person I used to be. Why? I made what? Adjustments. I'm not trying to get over on folks. I'm trying to do what's right. See, it's not just, this is our lifestyle now. This is our lifestyle. As a faith walker, we're walking by faith, not just on Sunday mornings, but seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Let me say this to you. You're sleeping by faith now. If you weren't, you should be now. You're driving by faith. Some of us realized that when we were driving the other week, last week, well, in the snow, I'm driving by faith. Everything we do is by faith. And because we do that, we're better able to help others in time of crisis, as we'll see in this particular text we're about to discuss. See, being faithful to God and his word brings blessings to us and empowers us to be able to be a blessing to others. Now, this particular biblical account is one that Luke records, and it's also recorded in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. Same account. But we're going to look at Luke's account. Each author has the same truth, but a slightly different perspective. Sort of like when we testify about the same situation, but we may each tell it slightly different because it's our perspective. We're going to look at Luke's perspective. You go back and look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12 to look at Mark's perspective. Both offer valuable insight to me as to what we're going to be looking at. Let's look at Mark, excuse me, Luke chapter 5. We'll start at verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. That happened on a certain day. As he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sent by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So it happened on a certain day that he was teaching. He was giving instructions. He was imparting knowledge and understanding. He was expounding on things. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who would come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. As he was teaching, uh, he was instructing the others, and Pharisees were there. Pharisees are, in, are an interesting set of group because their mindset of the Pharisee was sort of like this. They were known for their knowledge regarding the Jewish traditions and their beliefs. 
They sought, they sought for a distinction and praise for outward appearance. They walked by sight. They were opposers of Jesus and his cause. In fact, we can read in scriptures where Jesus dealt with them in a harsh way. Go to Matthew 3 and verse 7. Matthew 3 and verse 7. Matthew 3 and verse 7 reads as follows. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warn you to flee from the wrath to come? Call them snakes. Not just, listen, he called them, he said, you slimy, you trying to crawl around, you up to no good. Brood of vipers. This is what he thought about them. Let's go to another scripture. Matthew 5 verse 20. Matthew 5 verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now let me say this to you. I believe he saw the, the, the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees as very, very low. If you don't get above that, and that ain't, listen, he's not asking for much right now because the way he, he called them brood of vipers earlier. So you know, he said, if you get more righteous than these folks right here, you don't deserve to be in my kingdom. So we see Jesus was teaching those who were eager to hear his word so their life could be changed for the better. And others were there to hear him so they could be a little messy. We'll see that as we go through the text. In addition to the Pharisees, there were teachers of the law who came from different places. Some come from Galilee, Judea. Others came from Jerusalem. <clears throat> but not only were the people there to hear him, but God's miracle power was there as well. And we see in Matthew, excuse me, Luke 5 and 17, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power, the strength, the ability, the miracle working power of God was present to cure them, to make them whole. I thought about this and I was thinking about what God is doing in our lives every time we stay in his presence. Let me say this to you, and I, I pray that you understand what I'm saying here. I believe, this is my belief, I believe that God keeps us and heals us from stuff that the CDC has not even discovered yet. I also believe that God keeps us and protects us from stuff, sickness and disease that the CDC has discovered. I believe God is a keeper and the power of God is there to heal us. Now, I also believe this too. I believe you've been healed and you didn't even know you were sick. I believe, this is my belief, you may not, you may not believe this. I believe that you caught something, you didn't even know you caught it, but before you caught it, you're talking about by his stripes, I'm healed, and you were healed before you even knew you had it. And anything that gets past that, God still got a remedy to heal it too. Never underestimate, well, Pastor I did everything right. I don't even pretend like I do everything right. I just live by the grace of God. I try to make sure I do what's necessary and so forth. But I believe in the grace of God. I believe just like this scripture says, the power of God was there to heal them. I believe the power of God is in this sanctuary to heal every sickness and disease or anything that comes against you. And this is what I love about God. I don't have to lay hands on you for it to take place. That God is healing your body even as I talk to you about healing right now. I believe that God is delivering you even as I talk to you about healing and deliverance right now. 
I believe that just like it happened in that scripture, and God gives us these scriptures for our example that is happening in this sanctuary. But it ain't got, it ain't got to happen on Sunday morning. It can happen on a Saturday. It can happen on a Monday. It can happen at your job. It can happen at your home. It can happen in your bathroom. It can happen in your bedroom. It can happen riding in the car. You just start feeling about it. He said, where did this come from? Because God is healing. God don't need shut up or see. He just need you to say, I believe you, God. If you believe the power of God is here, because this power was there to heal them, but yet the text indicates it was there, but not everybody took advantage of the fact it was there. And there were some people in that his presence that needed healing, but they did not take advantage of it. I don't want to be in a sanctuary and the power of God is here to heal and I don't take advantage of the power to heal. Because the song ain't played or because I didn't have an altar call. I never have an altar call between now and 28, 2020, 20 or whatever 20 it is. You still can be healed. I'm not the healer, no way. He is. If Jesus don't hear you, I can lay hands and put you down with Crisco, uh, olive oil, and every type of grease it is. You still won't be healed. I was reading in my personal devotion time, and I know I'm almost done, but give me a few more minutes. My personal devotion time, I was reading about this man named Balaam. Now, Balaam was the man, for those who don't remember, was the man who had a conversation with a donkey. Balaam was very unique at this particular time because Balaam, uh, let me go back. Some of y'all still living kind of strange, but that's okay. Follow me just for a moment. Balaam was a man. God had told him not to go to a certain place. And so, but Balaam said, I'm going to go anyway. And so he's riding the donkey. The donkey's eyes opened up and see an angel waiting to cut or to kill Balaam. And, the anch- and, and um, this is a number. You can look it up when you get home. Uh, he, he said, um, and so the angel, and so the donkey stopped, and listen, I, and, and uh, he, he went against, he, he, the angel, the donkey saw the angel standing there, and he just said, I ain't going this way. So, so he did it about three times. Uh, Balaam got upset with the donkey and got upset, and all of a sudden, God opened up the, don- the mouth of the donkey, and he began to talk to Balaam and said, man, I've always obeyed you. You didn't see that angel that was sitting up there getting ready to kill you. And so they go on to the place where they they say, keep on going. And so they went to the place and he told the person that wanted to hire him to curse the children of Israel, Moses group. He told him this. He said, listen, I can't bless what God has cursed. I can't bless unless God bless him. I can't curse him unless God tells me to. I can only say what God tells me to say. And so I, I bring to this point. God can, excuse me, I can't do nothing without God's permission. I, I, I can want to bless you until Jesus comes back. If God don't give you permission to do it, it ain't going to happen. But can't nobody curse you unless God gives them permission as well. You got to understand the power of God's word in your life. You got to understand that God can do all things say fail. And can't nobody get past God. Because I, I noticed that the, uh, Balaam was sitting on that and looking at the children of Israel, and and the man Balak, his name, they very sound very very similar. He said, I, "I give you a whole bunch of money if you curse the children of Israel." And when he opened up his mouth, he blessed the children of Israel. What I thought about was this: they didn't even know they were being blessed by a man that was standing on the side. See, sometimes you don't even know you're being blessed by the company that you're in. See, you get in the wrong company, you might be missing out on what God has for your life. Hanging around doubters and unbelievers and people that don't believe in God, you might be missing out. You could be, could be around those that believe God and have your best interests at heart. Woo! I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of get, get to a closing place as we go to part two next week. As they were getting ready, Mark tells us that there were four men that were carrying 
this man that we're going to be looking at a little closer next week. This man was paralyzed. Paralyzed. Couldn't walk. Four men, Mark tells us, Luke tells us they were men, they carried him. And they were trying to get to Jesus. They were trying to get to Jesus. But there was a hindrance along the way. There was a blockage along the way. The Bible said it was so crowded that it couldn't get to Jesus. And so somehow they didn't quit. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. I thank God for men and women of God that don't quit, that don't give up. Ooh, I mean, they, they saw, everybody saw the same obstacle. I appreciate you overcomers who don't quit, who don't give up, who look at past your obstacles, who look past what you see and so forth. But, and so they, they took him and climbed up on top of the roof. Now, I don't know, there's many different interpretations. Some say they could have walked on the roof because it was so low. Some say they literally had to, to do some sort of apparatus and get him on top of the roof. Nevertheless, they got on top of the roof. They tore back the tiling. This is somebody's house. And this was beautiful about it. They lowered him right there in front of Jesus. And, and Luke, as well as Mark, made the observation about the men. I, I, I almost lost it for a moment because I knew it wasn't Jesus making the statement, but Jesus honored this statement because the Holy Spirit gave it to him. When he saw their faith. When he saw what it took for them to get, not themselves, but somebody else to Jesus. I don't even think, the Bible didn't even say it, if they had anything, any type of ailment going on. In fact, we don't even know their names. All we know is they had enough faith to get past the obstacles in life to get somebody that was paralyzed, that couldn't walk to Jesus. Oh, shut up. I got, I got a lot I got to tell you about this. But let me say this to you in my closing. No, God sees everything you went through in order to get to him. God sees every time you had to sacrifice in order to give. God sees every time you had to stay up at night in order to study his word. God sees every time you had to take criticism from person A or person B because you tired, you said, I won't live for Jesus despite what you're telling me. God sees everything you did in order to get to Jesus. And I appreciate the fact because you're a faith walker, every God sees what it took for you to get to Jesus. And I appreciate the fact that despite some of y'all right now, in order for you to pray, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take some stuff and put it aside. But you're gonna get to Jesus. In order for you to study, you gotta put TV aside, you gotta put time aside, sometimes you gotta put sleep aside in order to get to Jesus. Sometimes you gotta ride down the road so many minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, do this, that, and the other, but you're making sure you're gonna get to Jesus. Oh God, it's time you have gave up sacrifice, you, listen, some of your family members don't understand you. Some of your loved ones don't understand you. Some of your co-workers don't understand you. Some of your business partners don't understand you. But you gave that up to get to Jesus. And I'm not talking about one day. This is your lifestyle. This is how you live. You walk by faith, not by sight. Because faith walkers can see you and what you gave up to get to Jesus. People see you. Okay, he don't hang out with us no more. She don't gossip with us no more. She don't come to these dinners and hang out and just talk about everybody like she used to anymore. 
She don't hang out with these unbelievers. He don't hang out with these unbelievers anymore. He don't go to the club no more. He don't go to, uh, the, you know. But they gave it up to get to Jesus. And God saw everything you gave up, every obstacle that got in your way. But you said, you said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you regardless of what comes up in my let me tell you something. Some of y'all right now, I know if whatever happened, y'all gonna follow Jesus. Y'all gonna follow Jesus. Y'all gonna follow Jesus. I'm telling you, Pastor, I've had fun with That's dumb. I pray for him, but I've got to keep following Jesus. Y'all th- throw scripture me like if the blind, blind lead the blind, everybody fall in the ditch. I ain't finna fall in nobody's ditch. I mean, you gonna follow Jesus. I'm looking around this sanctuary right now, and I know without a shadow of a doubt, Many of you in this sanctuary have made up your mind, I'm following Jesus. I like Pastor Dodd, but I don't like him that much to go to hell for him. I'm saying, and I, I, you ought to be that way. You're going to follow Jesus regardless of what comes up in your life. And don't you think people see that? Don't you think people see that? You got some families right now. Well, you know what? You know, uh, 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 they ask you, you have a church son? Don't we ask you no more, do they? Don't even ask you no more. Now, they may ask their friends. They don't ask you no more. Because it ain't about me. It's about Jesus. You come to get a word from Jesus. You come to hear what Jesus has to say. And that's part one. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.